door open. So I pray that those of us who have not yet dedicated our lives would come to know that living hope. Jesus Christ, King of the universe and our Savior, resurrected from the dead. And the reason we can sing today, the reason we can gather today, it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat, y'all. All right, this time we're going to invite our children to come up for a special Easter children's message. Y'all come up. If you're visiting with us, this is a short time when kids are welcome to come. Have a seat right here. And I've got a special message for you guys. Come on up here and have a seat. All right. It's a little different because we have some tables up here. Yeah, don't crawl under the tables. You might hit your head. All right, come on, kids. Come on up here. Yeah, adults, you can bring your kids if you need to. That's fine. That's okay. You're good. You're good. All right. Hey, guys. All right. Is, that, is everybody up here that wants to be up here? We got a couple of stragglers in the back. We'll let them work that out. Okay. You all look so nice today. Y'all came to church today. It seems like a different day, maybe a special day, right? What is today? Easter. Today is Easter. That's right. Now, I want to tell you guys a story, okay? I'm going to tell you a story about Easter, but I might need you to help me with the story, okay? Amline, are you excited? Okay, Amline's very excited for this story. Okay, ready? No, not the Christmas story. That would be another time. We're going to do a different story today. Okay, let's see if we can tell our parents and everybody in the church about our story. And I've got a couple special gifts for you guys today, okay? For trying to help me. All right, so there was this man named Jesus, right? Jesus was sent from God, and Jesus is who? God. That's right. Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, Jesus was sent by God the Father to seek and save that which was lost. That's you and me. You and me lost our relationship with God because of our sin, because of the mistakes we made. But God loved us too much to let us sit in our brokenness. He wanted us to have a relationship with him. He wanted us to be with him. So we sent Jesus. And so let's fast forward Jesus' life about 33 years, okay? So Jesus is headed back to the city called Jer Jerusalem. That's right. How did Jesus enter into Jerusalem? What was he riding? He was riding on a donkey on Passover week because Jesus is the Passover lamb. That's right. He's the Passover lamb. He came to be a sacrifice. So Jesus spent that week in Jerusalem, and people weren't really very nice to him. When he came in on the donkey, you're right, Amaline, they worshipped him. They called him what? Hosanna, which means salvation now. Salvation now. They were praising Jesus as their king, but then through that week, they, the, the religious leaders tested Jesus and asked him a lot of really difficult questions. They tried to get him to make mistakes, but did Jesus make a mistake? No, because Jesus was perfect. So toward the end of the week, Jesus knew it was time for him to be sacrificed. So he gave himself over to be arrested. And then once he was arrested, what did they do to Jesus? That's right. They nailed him on a cross. And while he was on that cross, he was bleeding. He was dying. 
And Jesus gave his life over during that time to become our sin. So while he was on that cross, the wrath of God poured out on Jesus because of you and me. So all of our sins, all of our mistakes, in fact, all the sins in the whole world, Jesus paid for on the cross. And then Jesus died. Once Jesus died, what did they do with him? They buried him in a tomb. That's right. And then nothing. Then Saturday happened, and it was quiet. For the Jews, that was their Sabbath day. Jesus' body lay in that tomb. His disciples were scattered and sad because their Savior Jesus was dead. Well, early in the morning, some of his disciples came to visit the tomb so they could mourn the loss of Jesus. Now, I've got a gift for everyone. Don't open them. Just take one. Here, pass them back. Pass these back. Pass them back so everybody, everybody's going to get one. This is a very important gift. Don't open it until I tell you, okay? Now, we've got all the way to the back, so, right? So pass them back so everybody gets one. This is the most important gift I'm going to give you today, okay? Now, does everybody have one? Everyone that wants one, get one? Need another one? All right, we got plenty. Does everyone have a box? Still more? Okay. Do you want violent? You got one? Okay, this is the most important thing about Easter. It's inside this box. You got one to open it? Are you excited? Okay, let's open the gift. What's in the box? There's nothing in the box. Do you know why that's important? Because when Jesus' disciples came to the tomb, who was in it? No one. Why wasn't there anybody in the tomb? Yes? Because Jesus had risen back to life, right? Yes. That's why we get so excited at Easter, because we celebrate that Jesus came back to life on the third day. Now, here's the deal. You can, you can take those boxes home if you want, but I've got another gift for you, all right? But you need to ask your mom and dad when you're allowed to eat this gift, okay? All right, so everybody stand up, and then come take a gift, and then you can go back and sit down. These are the best lollipops. They have gum inside, yeah. That's right. All right. Grab one, and then you can go to your seats. Oh, you can put it in your tomb box. That's okay. It's a good idea, a good use of the tomb. All right, once you grab yours, move to the side so the other kids can get theirs. Good, okay. Make sure you ask your parents when it's time to eat those. Good. All right. There you go. There you go. You're welcome. Oops, sorry, buddy. All right, everybody, is that it? He's good, okay. All right, church. Take out a copy of God's Word with me today. Take your phone or look up on the screens or grab a pew Bible on there. Open up to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're talking this morning about a risen king. His name is Jesus, and he is our living hope. Living hope, that's, that's an interesting word or phrase. As we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, 
We have a living hope, the Bible says. We have an expectant hope. We have a confident hope. A hope that lives through Christ, our living and risen King. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. That's an interesting phrase as well, born again. There was this great, very intelligent man, a leader in a sect of Judaism called the Pharisees. He came to Jesus by night, asking Jesus about who he is, about what he came to do. Jesus turns to Nicodemus, this very intelligent, very educated man, and in John chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus and Peter are both speaking about the spiritual transformation that takes place when someone turns from their sin, the Bible calls that repentance, and places their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, both in the person and the work of Jesus. Placing your faith in the person of Jesus means you believe that Jesus was sent by God, that Jesus is God in the flesh, that Jesus was sent by him to suffer and die and rise again as the one Savior for our sins. It's also to express belief in the work of Jesus, that Jesus was sent by God to seek and save that which was lost, to freely give his body as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins, that he was buried in the ground, but hallelujah, on the third day he rose again, conquering death and sin and Satan and his hold upon everyone who turns from sin and trusts in Jesus as Lord and Savior. To be born again means to turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And in that process, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, comes and lives within you, regenerating you making you right with the Father, essentially giving you new birth. We are born again to a living hope, verse 3 says. When we are born again, our relationship with God is restored. Our once broken relationship with Him is reconciled. We're no longer sinners in the hands of an angry God. We are forgiven saints. Brothers and sisters adopted into the family of God. We are then given the opportunity, the ability by God's grace to pursue the purpose for which all of us were created. To worship God and to give Him glory. The hope that we have through our relationship with Christ is less like our modern understanding of hope. We hope for lots of different things. We hope for a better economy. We hope for lower gas prices. 
Many of you may hope for a better job or hope one day to have a spouse or have a child. Those aren't necessarily bad things to hope for, but the hope that we get through relationship with Jesus is more than those things. You see, a living hope is an eternal hope. It's like we can't quite see it. We don't have the full picture of what will be realized now. But we know it's coming. We know that it will be amazing. We have several women in our congregation right now who are pregnant. Now, if you have had the honor, the privilege of having kids or walking with someone through a pregnancy, a lot changes when a woman is pregnant, doesn't it? You first get the results of the test. And if that's your first child, you have no idea what's about to happen, right? Right, parents? And then things start to happen. The baby starts to grow, and you start to go to the doctor and get pictures of the baby from the inside. And then you learn, like, oh, it's going to be a boy, or it's going to be a girl, or, oh, wow, we're going to have twins. Twice as much fun as I thought we were going to have. And then as the baby grows, you start to get the baby's room ready, and you start to buy clothes. You have baby showers. All this time, you don't know the baby yet, but you know the baby's coming. And you can't wait for that baby, right? That's a, a small sort of this-worldly explanation for a living hope. It's hoping something you know is going to happen without really knowing how amazing it's going to be. When we're born again through Christ we receive this living hope, this confident expectation in the promises of God. How is this living hope possible? Well, the text tells us in verse 3, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why can we have confident expectations about our future and eternity? Because Jesus conquered death. One of the greatest events in all time, which we're celebrating today, and our reason for having living hope is because Jesus rose from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 through 22 say, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. You see, we're in real trouble, you and I, in all of humanity. God created this world and everything in it. God created Adam and Eve. God gave Adam and Eve a tremendous opportunity to walk with him in a perfect relationship and to fulfill a glorious purpose. And he gave them a commandment. You can eat from any of the tree here in the garden. But not of that tree. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You may not eat from that tree. Well, Adam and Eve, as you and I have done many times in our lives, looked upon that tree and surrendered to the temptation to eat from it. 
And from that moment, sin entered into the heart of man. That's passed on from generation to generation to generation. In that moment, mankind's perfect relationship with God was severed. In that moment, death reigned on the earth. But God looked upon man, and through his grace and mercy and love, desired to relate to man. Knowing that we could never fix our circumstances. Knowing actually that none of us would even want to fix our circumstances. God sent his son Jesus. Jesus died on that cross and paid the penalty for Adam and Eve's sin and every sin that would come after that. Generation after generation after generation. All sin was poured out upon Jesus. The wrath of God was poured out on Christ on that cross on that day, and Jesus died on that cross and was buried in the ground. Peter, the author of this letter, commands all believers to do something as a result of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Right? Because he didn't stay dead, right? Because then why would we have purple and blue and all these exciting colors on today, right? We're here singing choir songs, playing bells, telling children stories of the Bible because Jesus didn't stay dead. You see, that's the point of our faith is that Jesus rose from the dead. In verse 3, Peter tells us how we're to respond to that. Look at the beginning of verse 3. He said, blessed be the God. Or more accurately, in your and I, in your and my circumstances, praise be to God. This is a command for all believers everywhere to praise God through the new birth we experience through Jesus' death and resurrection from the dead. Praise God for the living hope that we have because we're born again. Praise God because of the confident expectation that we have in His promises, primarily that we've been saved and reconciled with our Father in heaven. So praise God, church. On today above all other days, we should praise God because of the living hope that we experience through Jesus' resurrection from the dead, during which He conquered death and sin and Satan's control over everyone who repents of sin and trusts in Him as Lord and Savior. On this Easter Sunday, we will confidently proclaim, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Where are they? They're swallowed up in victory. Swallowed up in Jesus' resurrection from the dead. We not only celebrate what we have now through Jesus, we also celebrate what we will one day receive from Him in eternity. What is our living hope? Look at the next part of the text. Look at verse 4. It's that we have an inheritance. It says to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away and reserved in heaven for you. We are born again to a living hope through Jesus' resurrection to receive an inheritance. Have you all ever received an inheritance from a family member who passed away? 
You have stuff that may seem like it'll last forever, other stuff that doesn't last too long. I received this shirt from my mom, among a lot of other things, when my dad died. And it was this shirt that he wore uh, for softball. It was his team shirt, and then when he passed away, all of his friends signed this shirt. And, you know, mom gave it to me, and I didn't realize over time how much I would like to get that shirt out and look at it and look at the signatures and remember those softball tournaments and the times that we spent together. You know, what's interesting about that shirt is every time I take it out of the box I keep it in, it's like a little bit more fragile, right? It's a little bit more frayed. The letters and the, the screen printing starting to curl and the signatures are a little bit more worn out. And so I received this particular thing as an inheritance from my father, but I know that it's not going to last forever. As is the case of everything else that we receive from other people as an inheritance. But there is an inheritance we will receive from God that will last forever. In fact, Peter tells us three or four qualities about our inheritance as believers. It's imperishable. It will last forever. It will never decay. It's undefiled, meaning it's pure and perfect in every way. It's unfading. It will never lose its luster or its value. And it's kept in heaven. That means that it's guarded safely for you to receive and enjoy for eternity. Our inheritance cannot be taken by anyone else and nor can it be lost. Church, we're sojourners. We are aliens in this world. This world is not our home. The Bible promises that we will be persecuted by the world when we live a righteous life. And the Lord constantly asks us to make sacrifices for Him, for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. While most of the people in this world work to obtain as, as much wealth and resource and, and advancement as they can, Jesus constantly asks us to give away our money, to push other people in front of us, and, and to live humbly. The Lord calls us into the lion's den. He calls us out of the boat, through the dark valley, onto the hillside, on top of the mountain, and at the end of, the, at the end of our lives, we are going to follow him right into the jaws of death. Why? Why do we do all those things? Because we have something better waiting for us in heaven. We have an inheritance there that's imperishable and undefiled. It will not fade away, and it's reserved for you, believer, in heaven. How is it possible that such an amazing inheritance could be guaranteed for you and me, to all believers? Well, verse 5 tells us how. Because we have a protected salvation. Look at verse 5. We are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The primary reward we will receive from God through Christ is 
salvation. Now, you may have not attended church a single day in your entire life. Today's the first time you've ever been inside of a Christian church. Or maybe you've been here a hundred times. But maybe you are wondering what that means. What, what does salvation mean? You might have had someone come up to you and ask you, are you saved? What does that mean, to be saved? You see, the gift of salvation is something we receive when we repent of our sin and place our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We are saved or rescued from God's judgment or wrath for our sins. We are saved from God's wrath because Jesus received God's wrath in our place while on the cross. And when we place our faith in Jesus as the one who received God's wrath in our place on a cross, his sacrifice is applied to you and me. And thus we are rescued from God's impending wrath for our sins against him. We're forgiven. And the salvation we receive through faith in Jesus is something that we can never lose. It's forgiveness for all past, present, future sin. And it can never be taken away from us. You can't lose it by making mistakes. It can't be stolen by Satan or someone else. God promises that to us in this verse, and he will fulfill it in eternity. Do you think that there are spiritual forces in this world working against you as a follower of Jesus Christ? Amen. If you don't think that, you should know this. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The fact is, as believers, we are in the midst of a great spiritual war. This war takes place on the battlefield of people's hearts. And the enemy Satan is working to infiltrate our lives and to divide us from our God. Because ultimately the enemy seeks to take the place of God. To be worshipped in the place where God should rightfully stand in your life. As the one God, the true God, whom you worship and give glory to. But be encouraged. As Satan prowls around seeking to find a life to destroy our salvation, Jesus is guarded and protected. So when we repented and believed in Jesus, and God's Holy Spirit entered into us, and we were united into an eternal and everlasting relationship with God, no person or spirit will ever be able to break it. Jesus' resurrection is important because when he resurrected from the dead, he guaranteed salvation for everyone who turns from sin and trusts in him as Lord and Savior. Salvation from God's wrath for our past, current, and future sin. That's also salvation from death itself. Because Jesus secured our inheritance in eternal life. God guards all of that. 
and guarantees that we as born-again believers in the risen Christ will receive it. And that's pretty amazing. I don't know where you're at today, but have you placed your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Has there been a moment in your life where you came to understand your sin, your mistakes, or maybe you're understanding that today, right now, in this moment? And I want to compel you today, if you've not yet done it, to place your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. In fact, I'm going to just ask you, I just almost finished this morning, but I want to stop this morning and ask everyone just to close your eyes. I'm going to have a time of prayer now as we, we all have our eyes closed here. Just for a moment. And I know many of you already know Jesus in a personal way, but there are some in here who probably do not. If you do not yet know Jesus, but you want to, maybe you don't know how you got in here, maybe you don't know why you're here, but I'm going to tell you why you're here today. It's to hear the gospel, which you've done, to repent of sin and place your faith in Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. These are not magic words. I'm just going to help you pray to God to confess your sin and place your faith in Jesus. And so with all these eyes closed, as we pray together, you can repeat these words in your heart to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I love you. I am sorry for my sin. And I'm placing my faith in you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried in the ground and you rose on the third day. And I, from this day forward, desire to follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to close. If you prayed that prayer today, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer, to take a step of faith today and to come forward and come up and see me up here in the front. But let's read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, one more time. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why should we praise God on Easter Sunday? By the mercy of God, God became man and dwelt among us. Jesus was miraculously conceived, lived a perfect life, and fulfilled God's law for all of us who could never do it. Jesus willingly walked into Jerusalem to be the one final sacrifice for all the world's sins. He is our Passover lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus underwent rejection, physical torture, and worst of all, received God's wrath while hanging on that cross. His blood was shed as an atonement for the forgiveness of sin. He died and he was buried in the ground. The only person who ever lived who didn't deserve to die, died for you and me. But, blessed or praised be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
because he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay in that tomb. He didn't remain wrapped in those burial cloths. He rose again. He conquered death. He conquered Satan and sin. And we have something to celebrate today. Hallelujah. We are born again believers, born again to a living hope, born again to a new purpose, born again to a reconciled relationship with our God, born again to a new life, born again to an inheritance that's stored away for us in heaven, born again to a purpose to pursue, to honor, and to glorify our God. Praise be to the Father in heaven who allowed us to be born again through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to have a time of invitation now. If you're unfamiliar with this, what's going to happen in just a minute, we're going to invite everybody to stand up. We're going to sing a song together. So the first thing I want to, I want to talk about, a few minutes